Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management on WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome, everybody. It is Saturday, May 19th. My name is Danny Clayton, wearing the tiaras for the royal wedding. Mark Oswald. Hey, you look good in the tiara. <laughs> Thank you very much. It slips off my head. And Dave Spano, hey. Then tails and a big hat. I'm impressed, man. Coming in with that cold. That's how uh, I roll. <laughs> that is how you roll. So uh, what a week. First off, we want to officially say welcome back to the Ford F-150. That is a truck that took a hit and is coming back, right? Well, it's really amazing because, you know, when, when we had an s- interruption in the supply, Supply, right? I mean, supply we, chain, yeah. Absolutely. And it's interesting because you look at degrees that people get from major universities. And when I went to school, there was no such thing as a degree in supply side economics. And, and now there's just tons of people. It's, and yep. this just shows you how important that is. But they're back online. I mean, they're back to making trucks. And uh, there were plenty to go around. But uh, I think there's something like 70 or 80,000 units behind because of the disruption. And it was interesting because this one supplier not only supplied Ford, but also, what was it, Dave? It was GM? BMW, Mercedes-Benz, and others. So mm-hmm. Fiat, Chrysler, yep. a number of brands. And so they really knocked a number of companies right. offline. But fortunately, the the dealers had enough vehicles because right. they had several months' worth. So that was good news. But we'll see if they can catch up on production. Well, when you look at the consumer right now, consumer confidence is high. People feel good about their jobs right now. The employment numbers are steady. Uh, we're seeing some wage inflation, uh, the, the the effects of a tax refund, checks that have come out. So people are buying cars, something like 16.8 million units per year. And, and it was up to about 18 million, but that's still a really healthy economy. And you'll remember back in 2009 and 2010, yeah. we spent a lot of time talking about that. And do you recall the number back then? Well, I do, and because at, the, at that time, the average age of a car on the U.S. highways was was around 11 years, and so people weren't buying cars because we were coming out of that economic cycle from 2008, 2009. So these are good numbers, and, uh, you know, a lot of stuff coming up in the show today, but really talking a lot about what's going on in the markets, both the stock markets and the bond markets. We're certainly going to talk a little bit about 401Ks, and that's going to be an interesting conversation for sure. One of the great things about my new job is I'm going around and I'm really meeting all of the team and I'm seeing what they do. And the more I talk to people, the bigger it seems that our bench gets. But yeah, there's this dissatisfaction with 401Ks. We got a 401K guy and behind him is a whole team. So that is going to be interesting. Mandy, of course, I always love Mandy, going to be talking about tax planning. So it keeps centered around planning, 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 planning. So 401Ks, going to be talking about tax tax planning, and then once you get a plan, what happens if you need to change it? And apparently, it happens all the time. I used to think it didn't. It sure does. Well, it used to be that way. When when we were, you know, back 20 years ago, you got a financial plan. It was forever your financial plan. This is your plan. It came down on a stone tablet because this was it. But that's not the reality of life. Things change. Obviously, you know, in our conference rooms every day, people are coming in and asking the question, what if? What if I retire now? What if I work another two years? Or there's been a 
a change in, in their goals or in their risk tolerance or whatever it is. Or a change that, in family. Absolutely. And that's true with tax planning, too, when you talk about Mandy, because, you know, a lot of tax prepar- uh, preparation services, they're going to do your taxes and worry about your tax bill this year. Tax planning is saying, what happens to taxes over my lifetime, over the next five years, 10 years, 20 years? When you're thinking about that, then you're planning of doing things like Roth conversions and taking advantage of years where your marginal tax rate might be a little lower. So that'll be a great segment with Mandy as well. And so let me just say, so that's reactionary. And we see that a lot with our clients come in. They go, sure. well, they did my taxes. We're talking about proactive and seeing how can we plan to mitigate some of your taxes. No one likes to pay more than they have to. And I think she's going to cover some of the stuff where the CPAs have to digest this this tax law. I mean, it, it came at them, and the IRS said, here it is, and they're kind of figuring it out. So, well, it's yeah. still moving, too, because I saw this week that a bill was introduced to get back to charitable deductions so that regardless of whether you take the standard deduction or itemize your deductions, you may still be able to take a charitable deduction. We'll see what happens with that, but it's an ever-moving target, and that's why financial planning and tax planning is so important. So, Dave, it's part of my job. I'm going around and I'm seeing, because we talk about the team, the technology, and the trust. The compliance guy says nobody wants to hear about compliance. I'm going to get him sooner or later. Yeah, good luck. (laughs) You know what? Seriously, it's one of the first things I notice here at at Annex is how serious we are about doing things right. Well, you know, I I used to do the show by myself, and the the compliance guy now sits next to me for all these years. So, he's yeah, well, he wanted to get close, and he he, got to grab me if he has to. Yeah, within handcuff range. It is uh, Money Talk Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, May 19th. Got 49 degrees. Yeah, kind of London weather. Of course, for the royal wedding, they've got perfect weather. Know the difference. You can start at AnnexWealth.com. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. My guest is Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Tom. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. You might have some explaining to do. Not Uh-oh. really. Okay, What not did really. I do this no, time? It's one of these things that it's somebody within sort of, you know, your industry, and then you see a news story, and it's like, you got to defend it. Let's see. Well, that's okay. okay. I'll give it a shot. All right. National Association of Retirement Plan Participants Survey, more than 45 plan participants. So pretty good sample. 30% of Americans trust their own retirement plan provider. I'm going to flip it around. That's really a nice way of saying 70% don't trust their retirement plan provider. What's up with that? A big issue is that people don't really understand what's going on in a retirement plan, all the complexities that go into running a plan. You know, they see investments, but it's hard to wrap your head around how everything works. You join a company and if you get involved with the 401k, which you should, some people really don't understand it and they just, it kind of puts along and they they make their initial choices and then they don't really think much more about it. But if you dig deeper, that's where people start to get dissatisfied. Is that right? Yeah. And I think someone needs to be there to help you dig deeper. If you don't have anyone helping you understand how your plan works or how the investment options work, then it is pretty intimidating. And it's complex enough that it's hard to trust something you don't understand. So if if you don't have an advocate helping you out, I could see why you'd struggle with it for sure. Is it the HR department? Because, you know, they're super busy. Sure. No, they don't want to be helping people understand how to invest their money and things like that. That's something that we do a lot of work with with our clients. Joanne Bell, my teammate, and I go and we meet with people and, and ask them questions about you know their life and what are you doing? You know, What's your situation? Are you married? Does your spouse have a plan? What are your goals? So we can help people figure out you know how much should they save? Should they do pre-tax or Roth? And then help them figure out how to go about investing their money. And the, the investment, I think, is the most intimidating part for most See, people. And you pointed out that, that Annex Wealth Management is an advisor 
advisor. So we don't do the plans. We help people set up the plans. Yeah, that's exactly right. So there are lots of different providers out there. Our role is to help, on one hand, the employers understand how the plan works, but then to take that benefit that's been offered to the employees and help them take most advantage of the benefit that's offered to them. So one of the reasons cited while participants were dissatisfied with their 401k is they didn't understand the fees that they were paying. I got to tell you, I don't even know if I'd know where to look for that. Sure. You got to dig. Well, the scariest part is when you talk to people and they say that they're not paying any fees. That's when you're probably paying way more than you should be. So there is actually a legal disclosure that it's required on an annual basis. It's the participant disclosure. So it's something that is sent out to people that they probably throw in the garbage. Right. They open Um, it up and it's six pages long? Is it probably? Oh, it's more than that. There there are probably three or four pages that really contain the meat and the substance of the fees themselves. And then there are lots of other pages that have all sorts of other stuff on them. And so I think that's part of the issue is the disclosure and the need for disclosure is very important, but the manner in which things are disclosed just frustrates people even further. What do they need to know about fees? Everybody's got to pay, right? Yeah, you should know what you're paying. I would say on a very basic level, how those fees are structured is something that we go into great detail with the plan sponsor, so the employer, because they have a fiduciary duty to understand. And there's an actual thing that says you have a duty to make a determination as to whether your fees are reasonable. I don't know how you can do that if you don't know what the fees are or how they're structured. There's a TD Ameritrade study says only 27% of Americans know what they're paying in a 401k fee. That's not many. No, it's not. And I think, again, it goes back to people just being exasperated with trying to figure it out. And if you don't have someone there to help you, it's hard. And then sometimes you, you do, you go through and you read it, but then you're left wondering, okay, did I really understand that right? Am I sure that I'm getting this right? So I think the advocacy situation is the most important part when it comes to people understanding this and having confidence in the system. Tom Parks is Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Is there a ballpark number fee-wise that we should be looking for? Well, the thing is there is a variety of services offered in a 401k plan. Most people look at the investments and they want to know what's the expense ratio on the investment that I'm that I'm investing in. And that's very important. However, there is plan administration that is paid for. Sometimes that's paid for by the employer, sometimes it's included in the cost built into the plan for the people who have money. Who sets the administrative fee? The provider of the services does. Now, that's something that gets negotiated between the employer and the provider, but there is it's a pretty thin margin business when it comes to retirement plans. So it's set by the, the provider, and it usually has to do with how many employees do you have, how many total assets do you have, how many locations, so how much administrative work is going to be involved. I've read people actually sue over 401ks. Who's, yes. doing, who's doing the suing? Jerry Schlichter. Uh, is one attorney who's very well known in our industry. There is a law firm that's that's pretty big into this. You know, when it comes from the employee side, it usually has to do with fees or fund appropriateness, things like that. At Annex, we always encourage people to know the difference. So what is that Annex difference with a 401k? Education. We help educate plan employers so that they do understand that they're delivering a, a meaningful benefit at a reasonable cost to their employees. But then we go and we sit down with the people who are investing money in the 401k and we talk with them and we educate them. So we try to help them better understand what's being offered to them so that they can make an informed decision. That's awesome. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for hopping on. Thanks for having me. Yep. Tom is part of the team. Know the difference. You can start at AnnexWealth.com. Spreading the wealth every Saturday. Here's more Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald 
on WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. My guest is Mandy Nowashinsky, tax planner at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Mandy. Hi. If I say Tax Cuts and Job Act to you, will you slap me? I will cringe. What? Okay, cringeworthy, right? Yes. Tell me what's going on in the whole tax planning world with that. So there is a lot of conversations going around, particularly around like business structure and what type of entity I should be because there's you know a lower corporate rate and then there's this new deduction for basically every other type of pass-through business. Okay, we need to back up. First off, the thing is called the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, right? That's part of the tax reform bill, right? Mm -hmm. And who is this designed to help or address? What I think spurred this was basically to be competitive on a global level. So, you know, what kind of started this conversation was a lower corporate tax rate, which we did see when the bill passed. But then, you know, kind of to benefit everybody, create jobs, create lower tax bills for everybody and get more money into the economy Disperse. So we kind of tried to level that out on the individual side as well on the corporate side. When do you become a corporation and one is just a regular business? What's the difference there? A tax form, a tax filing. Okay. So a corporation is kind of viewed as itself in its own tax structure. It files its own tax return, pays its own tax. And then you've got kind of, we'll say, everything else, which is kind of like a pass-through. gets passed through to the individual's tax return and gets taxed to the individual. Seen the phrase pass-through? Explain that, please. Yeah, so that's what it is. So a pass-through, there's... um, a lot of people hear of an LLC. Okay. You know, that's yep. a type of a pass-through. So that could file its own tax return. You get what's called a K-1. That K-1 comes from the business. So if you and I start a business, we own it 50-50, I'll get a K-1 for half of the income. I'll pick up half of the income on my tax return, and I'll pay tax at my individual rate on half of that income. So if you're a corporation, there's no K-1. The corporation pays its tax. If you, a lot of people may work for a larger corporation, you know, you just get a wage. You know, that's, you know, the apple. Okay. That's a corporation. It pays a dividend. Um, everything else, you know, smaller businesses generally are a pass-through. What's the advantage of being a pass-through? What used to be, you generally pay a lower tax rate because corporate rates used to be much higher. Well, there's the advantage. Exactly. So, and then with a the corporation, there's this concept of double taxation. Okay. So, if you are own an interest in a corporation and they pay a dividend, you're taxed on that dividend. Slightly different rules for a pass-through. Mandy Nowashinsky is our tax planner at Annex Wealth Management. What's causing the confusion for everybody? So when they lowered the corporate rate to 21%, they tried to somewhat equalize that on the individual side. So that way you didn't have a great disparity between rates. Because the top individual rate right now is 37%. So when people were looking at that, they were going, oh, you know, there's some rate differential we can play with here potentially on switching the type of business. So they came up with this qualified business deduction, which could be 20% of your pass-through income. But there's a whole set of rules around this that they put in place and they need to develop them even more because there's just a lot of questions out there on who really qualifies for this, you know, various income levels and how do, you know, how do us CPAs, how do we calculate that for our clients? How do we plan for that now that we're in this new, I mean, the Job Cut Act started as of the first of the year. How do we plan for that now? So when this landed, your whole industry had to figure this out. We attempted to, yes. How much much was there to help you figure it out? Not a lot, you know, so we're waiting for the IRS to come out on guidance, you know, how are they going to interpret the rules? What kind of regulations are they going to put around these rules? You know, because what the IRS does is they'll issue their regulations that kind of interpret the code, you know, and that's kind of what us tax professionals kind of look at and rely on to, you know, 
to file returns and to provide advice to clients. Is that like super IRS language? It is. So it is. And I would think it's that's not easy reading. It is not, and they so the rules around this particular concept won't be issued until June or July. So that's you know halfway through the year in which this tax law is already applicable for. Mandy Nowashinsky, our tax planner at Annex Wealth Management. The advantage of tax planning or the importance of tax planning for our clients. So it, tax planning is looking not just at one year, but over a course of many, many years. So yeah, you're going to pay tax every year. You're going to file your tax return every year. How do we minimize that and or help plan for that over your lifetime? So we look at it not only from the business side of things. You know, if you are a self-employed individual, are you structuring things appropriately, saving to the right type of retirement accounts, but also from an individual perspective, where are you saving for retirement? How are you saving? If you're in retirement, where are you pulling your funds from? You know, there's a financial planning and then tax goes really close with financial planning because guess what? Taxes aren't going away. They're going to change slightly every year, but you're going to have to pay them. Kind of sort of in the middle of the year. When do you think we're going to figure this out? (laughs) That's the million dollar question. Yeah. So I'm hoping by the middle of the year, we'll have more guidance. There's constantly things going through the Senate and the House, you know, trying to understand things and new bills. There's a new bill recently regarding charity because that's another big change with this bill, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act that was passed. Pretty confusing. Thank you for helping us understand. Now, I just kind of sat here and nodded. <laughs> well, and that's, and that's what a lot of people are doing right now. You know, they they don't understand really what, what was in that bill for businesses. And, you know, us CPAs are kind of trying to figure out the nuances of it so we can better explain it. <laughs> what you're saying is, is most of your peers in the, in the industry are still grappling with this as well. Mm-hmm. It's in flux. Exactly, yes. Mandy Nowashinsky, tax planner at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Watch your investments grow with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Hey, our guest is Randy Winkler, Financial Planning Manager, Annex Wealth Management. Randy, welcome back. Hi, Danny. When we first talked, you ran us through how the Financial Planning Department works at Annex. I was under the assumption at first that you guys were all front end. That is far from the case. Correct. When someone comes in to meet with us for the first time, we put together a framework for a financial plan. And then for the rest of the relationship, we're building on that. Here's another incorrect assumption. The financial plan from Annex is leather-bound, big, thick document designed to be followed with zero deviation, even when circumstances change. That's wrong. That That is wrong. We don't do that. We see that every once in a while. People bring it in and say, look what I got. It looks very impressive. And it was accurate until it was done printing. It's not living. It changes. You know, it's got a portfolio value. I commonly meet with people and say, right now, things are changing. The market's you know, going up and going down, and that's affecting your portfolio. We need to be able to adapt to that. And people's situation changes very commonly, so we need to be able to adapt to that as well. Do you think in the old days, people did follow the plan no matter what? From my experience, most people looked at this very impressive bound document and didn't know what to do with it. There was lots and lots of information there, lots of data. It made the advisor look very good, but there were maybe three or four pages that had the, the real meat um, of the situation. But again, it's only as good as it's current. I I always like to say that we create a, a GPS, not a map. Have you ever pulled an old map out of your glove compartment and it's got a picture of Lee Dreyfus on it and some of those roads don't exist? Try driving through the Marquette Interchange with a map from those days. It just doesn't work, but it was accurate at the time. Randy Winkler is financial planning manager at Annex Wealth Management. All right, I want to kind of pick your brain a little bit. These are hypothetical client questions that might come up when they visit Annex, okay? Okay. Not exactly what you do, but how you'd approach the question. If, if a client comes in and they said, I don't know if I should pay my house off. I don't know if I should keep paying it. I don't know what to do. What's the thinking process there? A slight variation on that we hear all the time. And it's not asking that question. It's like, I want to pay off my mortgage. Okay. And then we talk to them about whether that's a good idea or not. So a lot of people say, it's, it's very much 
such a gut decision, we try to make it a little bit more of a head decision. So if you say, I, I really want to pay it off, we'll take a look at, well, what's the interest rate that you're currently paying? And then what money are you going to use to pay that off? Is it coming out of your bank account and you're, where you're earning half a percent and your mortgage is four? Could make sense, unless that's all of your cash. You know, then if that's your emergency fund money, might not make sense, sure. but it could. What more commonly we see people say, well, I want to use my IRA. I'm like, okay, when you take that out, you're going to pay income taxes 24%. And, oh, by the way, you're under 59 and a half. There's a 10% penalty. So now you're at 34%. So now your 34% money is a lot more expensive than your 4% mortgage. Sure. We're talking about planning, and it's a plan. So a client comes in, and they say, listen, I, I just got laid off. Uh, I can't follow this plan, or I, I, I need to change the plan. Right. That's where we have to have some things built in, like an emergency fund. Hopefully, we've got that in place. If not, we probably need to move some money to cash out of the, the market to put in place so that they can get a paycheck from the portfolio. Oftentimes, there can be real opportunities. Let's say you got laid off today and you didn't get a job for the rest of the year. Depending on your situation, you might be able to take advantage of your lower tax bracket. Ah, sure, You do a Roth conversion during that time. So it's not always black and white, good or bad. There can be opportunities, but there's planning that's involved. Client comes in and is thinking about maybe taking a different job, maybe even a different city. I mean, are there, you, you got to kind of put that on the scale, huh? That's a great question because we'll take a look at, okay, are you moving to another city? What's the cost of living? We've seen people that move to a you know, much better job moving. Yeah, get a so, huge gig in right. New York City. Yeah. We and saw it pays from, X. It, exactly. it has to. Yeah, and then they get there and it's like, I'm worse off because I'm making more money but the cost of living, so they, they come back. Uh, another question is, what are the details of the retirement plan? If you're not eligible to get into a 401k for a period of time, even though you're making more money, but you're not getting that match, you're not funding your retirement, it can put you behind. Some of these plans, they have uh, eligibility of six months or a year, and they have an entrance date that could be every six months. So you could go up to 18 months without being able to get into the plan. So you think you're better off because your paycheck's bigger, but now your plan is disrupted. We discuss the situations, we talk through it, and we help people make the right decision. Okay, client comes in and says, listen, I would like to buy a Lamborghini. What will that do to my retirement? That's fine. Even I know the answer to that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it depends. Yeah. You know, we I have a, a real-world situation. We had somebody come in, uh, a couple, and they said, I want to buy a Corvette. And we can plug it in. We have software that has something that's called a decision center where we can, on the fly, plug in different scenarios. Say, okay, this is how much it's going to cost. This is the effect it's going to have on the plan. In this case, it was very interesting. I think I may have told this story on the radio once before. The plan showed that it was still successful. They could still have a very successful retirement buying this $85,000 car. The wife looked at it and said, well, wait a minute. That's going to cost our uh, the life of our plan over a quarter of a million dollars. We're not buying a quarter million dollar car, even though the plan looked good. We can help with the decision, but there's still going to be some discussion going on between the between the spouses. Cue the womp womp yeah. sound effect. <laughs> okay, somebody comes in and says, listen, I, I think I want to retire early. That that one happens more often than you think. So people come in and they can even apologize. I'm like, I know I was planning on retiring five years, but I can't take it anymore. Can I retire today? We can plug that into our decision center software and say, yes, you can. No, you can't. If you do, we have to factor these things in. So we had a scenario not that long ago someone was going to retire at 65, wanted to retire at 60. Well, at 65, they're eligible for Medicare. At 60, they need health care to bridge the gap. So we had to factor in that expense, which wasn't in the original plan. We had to take a look at, okay, now you've got five more years of retirement that's coming out of your portfolio. What's the what's the effect? Again, we're talking planning here. Have you ever found, and you said apology, have you ever found that people are apologetic that they're going to deviate from their plan a little bit? Yeah, I, and I think that's kind of funny, and that may go back to the old bound copy, where it's like, oh, you know, it's, 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 it's written 
written, it's printed, it's it's sacred. It's not like that anymore. It's not our job to tell you where you're going. It's to help you get there. I like to use the analogy that wealth management is like a travel agency where the financial plan is where you want to go and the portfolio is how you get there. Randy Winkler, financial planning manager, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for jumping on. Oh, great to be here, Danny. As he says, that's the team of geeks and really, really, really smart geeks at Annex Wealth Management. You can get things going just to... Go to AnnexWealth.com for single C's. Know the difference. Right underneath that, it says get a plan, and they will run you through that free portfolio analysis. I'm doing it myself right now. Again, AnnexWealth.com. Get professional help with your portfolio. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday the 19th. Good show today. Packed. Met a lot of uh, teammates, and I've really enjoyed doing that, kind of getting around the building and meeting a lot of people. Dave Spano and uh, Derek Felsky is here, so let's get down to business, huh? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we did have a winning streak that came to an end earlier this week, but it was an eight-day streak, and that's something, Derek, that we haven't seen in a while. No, we hadn't seen that since November of 2017. And when I when I think about what occurred this week, it really was all about you know inflation and inflationary expectations, not just of commodities, but also a, a pretty sharp rise in interest rates. And we saw interest rates go up, but you talk about commodity price rising, and that really is the energy story that we've seen, including oil prices. Right. Oil prices, we saw Brent crude at $80 a barrel, the highest level since November of 2014. Uh, West, West Texas, which is what we typically quote in the United States, closed above, was above $72. But more importantly, the average gasoline price for regular unleaded fuel was is now 288 up 25% year over year. So clearly that's going to have some impact impact on inflation numbers. I saw somebody bumping 299. Just, just wait for that first guy to go three. Well, I was in Chicago uh, last weekend, yeah. and it was w- mid-threes yeah. down there. So for, so for sure, we're starting to see higher gas prices, and that is going to take an effect because we talked a lot about the tax break that individuals are going to get. But Derek, I, you know, paying higher prices at the gas pump takes a little of that away. No, that that's for sure true. And again, we're, we're going to start to see the impacts of that t- of tax reform as it filters through the economy. The, w- the one thing that I thought was really interesting this week, though, is we've talked often about repatriation and the magnitude of that relative to the corporate tax cuts that were legislated at the end of last year. And in our view, from from, from an analyst we've talked to, we think repatriation could have as much as a seven to eight times as large an impact on, on companies and what their ability to do in terms of cash flow going forward. So that's a big deal. So the companies are going to bring back, and in that impact, eight times what we're seeing locally but you know what I've what I find interesting is really what's happening with the dollar in relation to that well and, and you'd expect if companies are, are bringing money back from overseas if those if those if those funds were, were in foreign currencies they therefore have to purchase the dollar so clearly repatriation is having some positive impact on the strength of the dollar and that's why it's so difficult you know the investment business you know there's always moving parts whether it's the dollar it's rates it's earnings it's all of these things it's kind of a mosaic which is why I think think, you know, we have a fairly disciplined quantitative process that helps us fare out opportunities. And right now, the opportunities really haven't changed that much. Technology still looks really good on our work. Financials look good. Consumer discretionary stocks look good. Energy stocks clearly are looking a lot better. I mean, one can question the sustainability of this rise in the price of oil. But certainly, energy is, is causing many people to re- re- rethink their allocations. So what we had, you and I were in a client meeting uh, earlier this week, and we were taking a look at one of the sectors. And of course, technology did really well. But on the other end of the 
the spectrum, we saw consumer staples just getting rocked. And in, in how, how have those sectors done so far? Well, consumer staples on a year-to-date basis with the S&P up 2% are down 12.5%. That's the sector weighting. Just on Friday, we saw Campbell's Soup deliver a hellacious quarter. The stock was down over 10%, which is a big move for a company like that. You know, we've seen weakness all year in Procter & Gamble, Altria, Philip Morris, and the like. And it just goes to show that you've got to pay attention to valuation. You've got to pay attention to interest rates. You've got to pay attention to dividend yields. And those stocks, which many people bought because they're considered safe and offer a high yield, just don't look as attractive when the one-year Treasury bill is trading at 2.5%. So there was one particular that you looked at. It was uh, Philip Morris. And the stock has gone from $120 a share down to $80 a share. I mean, that's a big move. Yeah. And again, this is why we look at free cash flow yield. One of the one of the linchpins for Altria and Philip Morris has been their ability to generate cash flow, which they then passed along to shareholders in the form of dividends, which they increased sort of on a regular basis for decades. I, I know so many people that have made a ton of money in, a, in stocks like that. And that's where you just have to look at valuation. And our work highlighted this over a year ago, that those stocks were expensive and they did not have the capacity to raise their dividends unless they went out and borrowed. And I don't have to tell you, like General Electric did this, they went out and borrowed basically to maintain their dividend. And that's not usually what you want to see in a high, you know, in a high quality company with dividends that are have historically been very sustainable. So one more thing before we take a break is we see the uh, the GDP number, and that's an important number to, p- to focus on because it shows the strength of the economy. We saw a reading this week. We did. The Atlanta Fed, which actually last last quarter started out at a 5.4% forecast. It slowly got ratcheted down as the quarter went on. The Atlanta Fed's first flash estimate for second quarter GDP is 4%. So, Dave, the wind streak, was it longer or shorter than your cold? Yeah, you. right. It's going to go away, as your listeners can hear. That's Dave Spano, president of Annex Wealth Management. Derek Felsker, chief investment officer. Uh, they're going to hang out for one more segment. want to remind you of Retirement Roadmap. This is for our Appleton listeners. happens at Butamore Country Club. It's June 7th, which sounds like it's a long way away, but really it's only a couple of weeks away. But this is really good. This is the Retirement Roadmap seminar, and it's a conversation, right? They're going to be talking about planning. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're just trying to inform you. Starts at 6, goes till about 7.30, though the one I was at in Delafield recently, the question just kept coming and it was just this great conversation so you can sign up via annexwealth.com click on the events tab again annexwealth.com slash events time is money make the most of yours with money talk with dave spano and mark oswald on wtmj Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky is here. Dave Spano is here. You guys didn't even get off page one. Yeah, we've got a lot of a lot of land to cover yet. So, Derek, you know, we talked about earnings uh, a little bit in the last segment, but there is this term that's been going around called peak earnings. Explain that to the listeners, please. Well, peak earnings, I mean, essentially, it's, it's, the, it's the law of reversion. I mean, what people are always nervous about in financial markets is, is when have things become stretched. And typically, it's, it's not you know, absurd to say when the S&P 500 is growing earnings at 25% like it did in the first quarter, that it can't get any better than that. And you know, the way I look at it is it's not just what earnings are doing. It's the direction of earnings. It's the direction of earnings relative expectations. And it's the valuation you're paying for those earnings. And right now, because of the advance in the in the 
earnings of the S&P 500 and the sideways price action with the S&P only up 2% year to date, the valuation of the market has actually improved despite the fact that earnings have been at record levels. And so we talk about wall, the wall of worry. That is one of the worries right now is that we've seen great earnings and can this continue? You know, we went a long time with an earnings recession and now we've got great earnings. The expectation was 18% for the quarter. It was much better than that. It was much better. It came in at 25 and in fact at the beginning of the the expectations for first quarter earnings are only 12%. So right now for the second quarter, ex- expectations are for 19%. And one of the reasons earnings increased so sharply in the first quarter was the energy sector. Energy earnings were up 80% in Q1. Now granted, that's off a very low base, very easy compares. But in next but next year alone, they're looking for a 12% increase in earnings. So on an annualized basis, the earnings, the earnings of the energy sector alone are creating very easy comps for the S&P 500. So so another one of the th- concerns in the wall of worry is trade tensions. And we're not just talking about China. There is some concern with the whole NAFTA issues as well. Right. It appears, you know, Paul Ryan continues to give them a, kind of a loosey-goosey, moved the goalposts a little bit and suggested that if they get something done on NAFTA by the end of the month, that perhaps the House can can, can vote on that. And obviously, trade negotiations are, are difficult to read. A lot of, most, most of the negotiations go on, you know, behind closed doors. But again, you know, we can be hit with tweets. We can Hit, be hit by comments from North Korea or Mexico or Canada or China. And so I think we've been qu- there's been a kind of a quiet period on trade, and I expect that to escalate, which is why I believe volatility this summer will be higher than it's been recently. Interesting. You mentioned North Korea, and obviously the tensions there have looked like they were starting to subside a little bit, but I saw that uh, Kim Jong-un was reading a book you showed me the other day. I know, and, I, you know, and I'm not sure. You know, In this era of fake news, I don't know whether this was Photoshopped, but there was a picture of him him reading The Art of the Deal, which is Donald Trump's book from the early 1980s. And all I know, I mean, I read that book on the train on the LIRR in New York a long time ago. And all I know is if I read that book, the way I'd negotiate with someone like Trump, who says he's a good negotiator, is I'd negotiate just as hard. So he's going to say X, I'm going to say Y, and vice versa. So again, this just leads to volatility because markets will react to headlines. Those trading algorithms don't know the difference between real news and fake news. They don't really know the real news between posturing. They're not program that way. So I think we just have to set, a, set aside some cash, some dry powder, and take advantage of volatility when and if it presents itself. So the, you know, we have this sell in May and go away mantra that's been around, but we'll see what happens during the summer because as you just said, we are now in positive territory for the year and we'll see what happens during the summer, but there's a lot to be concerned about including after the summer we're going to have midterm elections. The midterm elections um, historically, stocks tend to go down into the midterms el- elections and and rally back, you know, starting about a month before as it becomes more and more clear how it's going to play out. Uh, The other thing I think that investors need to focus on, too, is, as I mentioned, the S&P 500 is up 2% year to date, but the ag bond index, the index for for bond managers, is actually down almost 3% year to date. And when you think about it, that's the entire coupon you get from buying a 10-year treasury. So I would encourage our listeners to look, take a real hard look at what you're doing in your 60-40 portfolio, particularly that 40% that's in fixed income, because there's a lot of expensive merchandise in there, a lot of interest rate risk, and with commodity prices rising, like we said, with oil prices up, uh, copper prices been going sideways, but certainly the uptrend is, is there. there are a lot of, there's a lot of strength in commodities and wage growth and so on. I just think you want to be a little bit more defensive when it comes to interest rates. I agree, and it's certainly a time 
time to revisit your asset allocation. If you need help doing that, that's what we do every day in our client meetings. We give free portfolio reviews. If you're interested in doing that, just head to our website and you can go from there. All right. Let's cover uh, locations too. We've got a bunch. Elm Grove, Mequon, Lake Country, we're there for you. Also in Appleton. And we've got a Fister location opening soon. We're past the hard hat stage. That is done. Kind of probably the IT and furniture and, and dusting. Uh, but we are coming downtown, Annex Wealth Management. And also, Annex Everywhere. Anywhere you can hear my voice, and we're talking to you, Raj, over in Michigan, uh, if you can hear us, we can take care of you via Annex Everywhere, as long as you have Internet access. That's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management, and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.